and welcome to Resolve, an after-play show. This is an after-show for a role-playing game that does not have an actual play, where we tell you all the details of our game so you don't have to listen to it. Hi, I'm Sammy, and I'll be your host. My pronouns are she, her, and I play Asiri Amoli, the mermaid, whose pronouns are she, her as well. Joining me today is my wonderful co-host, Alex. Hi, I'm Alex. My pronouns are he, him, and I play Moogle Mercenary Smog, whose pronouns are also he, him. We are joined today by Zach. Hi, I'm Zach. My pronouns are he, him, and I play the off-brand Vocaloid Tau, whose pronouns are they, them. And we are also joined by Dee. Hi, I'm Dee. My pronouns are both they and she. I play Geyser, whose pronouns are she, her. Awesome. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. And now that we're all here, Alex, why don't you tell us about the actual play? Right. Previously, in the feet, Smog and Tau find themselves in a desert canyon. Smog can't see juice. Smog levels Rig at Tau, becomes revered him as an esper, and sets it down. Tau and Smog find Thompson, a portly human-shaped robot, who says they're in Cree Celeste. Thompson communicates via satellite to Sequence Charter. Tau leaves Sequence Charter a greeting by the same log. Thompson leads Smog and Tau to the Liberated City. Smog notices defensive arches along damaged canyon walls and shoots one with flare. Assyri and Pony find themselves in a desert. Assyri falls into the sand, unable to breathe until a wolf robot, Hound 5, creates a stable bubble of water around her. Pony attempts to run away, but Hound 5 convinces her to follow them at a distance. Pony tells Assyri about unicorns as they walk towards the city. They notice large crawling constructs being pulled away in the distance. Athanos and Geyser also find themselves in a desert. Thanos regards Geyser as a god or a creation of one, while Geyser regards him as another imaginary friend. Geyser plays a game with Thanos, ending her in her tossing a rock at him. Thanos pulls the crawlers in with magic to share the game. A group of humans, led by a scientist named Aura, exits the crawlers and speaks to them. Thanos picks up the crawlers and Geyser to carry them forward. All right, and that's the actual play as I saw it. Anything to add to that? No, I think I put that just about covered it. So now that we've heard the actual play, let's do a deep dive into the session. Starting off, this is our first actual sit-down play session, session one of this campaign. How's everybody feeling so far? Feeling good. Feeling very good. Yeah, I have uh, one other game running currently that's been very sporadic, so it's good to good to get some role-playing time in, especially in a system like this where it's much more role-play heavy. It's very fun. Yeah, I... Again, I'm very excited. This has been so much fun, like, almost immediately. And this is actually my first time playing a campaign with Zach, even though Zach is the person I've known the longest. Yeah, like, we've known each other since high school, and yeah. I've played a, a role-playing game campaign with like everyone else in this group except for you so this is great i'm i'm excited to see what zach is like as a role player and as tau i think another part of this is we've been sitting on these character concepts and we've been sharing little bits of them for like months so we've been like marinated in what we're about to do for this it's fine to finally just do it yeah for sure 
Absolutely. And, and, you know, Daniel has been giving a lot of good, like, prompting, guiding questions for things. And I don't, like, I don't know how long he did for all y'all, but, you know, we live together. So he, we literally talked about a series for, like, three hours straight one day. <laughs> I know they have extended uh, discussions with you guys as well. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. The marination factor certainly sounds like a big part of this. Sammy has also been exposed to a lot of me kind of machining geyser little by little little um because we we are also at the tail end of a vampire campaign but you know kind of before and after it word vomit kind of happens because i don't know about y'all but we're still kind of very aware of covid i haven't been like hunkered down staying at home only you know, the the tabletop game is, like, the vast majority of my social interaction with friends nowadays. So it's just kind of like, I'm talking about everything now. And then we play, and then we finish playing, and then it's, like, more talking about everything. So I've been kind of, like, word vomiting about Geyser and getting, like, feedback, like, oh, we could do this, or oh, we could do that. So Sammy has also, besides, like, my actual, like, snippet and my write-up uh sammy has also been like (laughs) getting a lot of that me me making the actual character um and we've also like set in on her um designing a series and drawing and stuff yeah i i I think i actually jumped in on a tuesday session too (laughs) yeah Yeah, and and that's like one of the best parts for me right is the like not only like make my own characters and you know make them real or whatever right their setup but like helping other people find you know their character's voice what their design is what they want to do that's like the best part about any role play thing or like any character creation in general for writing or comics or drawing or whatever it's just good to see where somebody has an idea you have that little seed and they build it up and build it up and build it up and then finally you're at the table or you know in writing or whatever and it's it becomes real in that moment it's it's so satisfying and the payoff is just so good yeah, that, mm-hmm. that kind of collaboration with building characters is great. Like you were talking about before, uh, definitely did have a pretty long call with Dan just talking about characters and where I saw this character going, fleshing out Tao's backstory a bit more. And there were a lot of ideas that I would not have thought up just on my own organically that we worked out together and I think really is going to help make Tao a more interesting character. Thank you for like honing in on the uh, like pre and post game time. Cause that's exactly why we were like really interested in this podcast. Cause we want to grab that same feel of like post-mortem of a game, like jump in, like instantly you want to talk about what just happened and, and why it happened. It's, it's really been rewarding um, because I also get to experience you all as friends and not just oh, I'm playing a game with you. <laughs> because I guess it would be kind of awkward, you know. I've, I've been spending an hour pretty much every week for two and a half years, and I know nothing about you, the person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I, I would say it is a little awkward, but at the same time, as a, a child of the uh, mid-2000s internet, uh, I've definitely sat at many, uh, like, an RP forum, and I knew nothing about the people I was talking with. <laughs> so- <laughs> that is a fair point. Uh, why don't we go ahead and like 
get into the meat and potatoes of the session, right? So all of us started in our own, you know, our character's world. They were, you know, doing something, and then in the middle of it, you know, flash of light, numbness, whatever transition you want to go into. But we all wake up somewhere in the desert, right? And that obviously poses different challenges for different characters. Tao being a digital being had to re-manifest themselves. Me being a fish asphyxiating out of water. So what was your feeling going into the, the, the very beginning, that first step into the desert of this campaign? With smog, it was mostly like, oh shit, I'm separated from my good buddy Juice, who I like always work with. And just, he's nowhere around here. I thought I was making myself transport somewhere else with my, my big gravity magic. And that does not seem to be what actually happened here. Very disorienting. Yeah, you mentioned Juice in the intro as well. And we haven't heard much about him in game. So I, I know a bit about Juice from just talking over characters with you a bit beforehand. But it'll be interesting to see how they show up in the game itself. Yeah, I'm planning to uh, have Juice appear after I take my first advancement so that he's sort of mechanically represented but we'll see how that actually happens again i've talked a little bit but i don't know exactly when or how it's going to be since experience is a little random for me the the my my pull-in situation was i was in a situation where well geyser was in a situation and when she was unhappy so it's kind of like woo, i'm out of that and then like huh i'm in a place you know granted Geyser is used to being shuffled around places. Um, I shouldn't say used to, but it's happened before. And so it's, it, it's not so much a freak out as it is, huh, I guess I'm in the desert. <laughs> and then, you know, I was immediately greeted by a 2,000-foot wolf god. And then Geyser's just like, well then. <laughs> and he's just booming voice hello there and i'm just like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it definitely was like a a shocking transition obviously because my character is from the abyssal plain and the deep ocean and really hasn't been to the actual surface of the ocean that much and to be plopped into a desert with no water and you know the risk of death being imminent was terrifying obviously you know the, all of the circumstances you couldn't get closer to mermaid hell if you tried, but fortunately I did not die, <laughs> which was a concern. But now, now my character is like, literally a fish out of water, I guess. Um, so <laughs> now we have to figure out what's going on and where do we go from here. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it feels like we're kind of all being corralled to the same place. You know, because for each of our situations, someone shows up and it's just like, hey, you should go to this place. And it, it was kind of more explicit when it came to me and Thanos, because they're like, oh, we need to go back to this specific thing for this specific reason. And Thanos is like, yeah, you're going to honor me because I'm a god, obviously. <laughs> and guys are just like, hmm. Okay, then. 
Uh, can you give me your crab things? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that was one of the coolest parts too. When uh, Thanos just like it's just like you know what, just bring everybody here and just like summons all of these land strider crab things to him, and it's like it brings rippling earthquakes through the desert. <laughs> yes, that, mm-hmm. that 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 was very intense because <laughs> it's just like you can't just like summon people to to see the thing it's just like <laughs> very much very much extreme himbo energy like nice benevolent oh guy gosh. and way too powerful for his own <laughs> yeah which plays in very well with the greek mythologies coming out of oh man yeah i mean what was great about that for me is that that made Dan do a little retcon, like pop back with the Syrian pony for a second and be like, oh yeah, those giant crab things you saw, well, they're being pulled the hell away from you now. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> Which means, I guess, that we are not as far away from each other as we thought we were, or as it seemed, because again, we all were just like popped into the world and we haven't met each other's characters except for each of the pairs. Um, right. The fact that Pony and Siri were able to witness that it's it, it's really funny. <laughs> like that whole situation was so ridiculous, and I and I I, I greatly appreciate that about Dex. Um, it 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 does it does. There's something about that character that makes me think about Gabe, but not in like the himbo way. Just like. I'm a friendly guy, and I'm here. <laughs> this is Gabe? Gabe was from our previous interstitial campaign. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah. I think Gabe and the Thanos have similar energies, but I think they're different enough. Gabe was a lot more worried about you know his partner because he was an amalgam. Yeah. Um, but Thanos is literally larger than life in a way that Gabe is not. I think yeah. Gabe still had some like grounding energy to him and was like like he was a person you could like realistically run into at like a Walmart or something. Uh, whereas yeah. Thanos, if I ran into somebody who talked like that, I would probably just back away slowly. <laughs> I mean, Geyser, Geyser literally did. Geyser was like, nope, <laughs> and, and walked away. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Thanos is definitely at the top of our power skill here, because we talked a little bit at the end of the session about how, like, Apocalypse Engine games let you do really weird things with power scale, because it doesn't really exist. Like, everybody has to be able to fit into that that 2D6 range and have things work or not. But Thanos is, like, outside of that concept would be the most powerful person in the group, probably. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, how do you chain the powers of a god, even in this context? Like, it's... He can transform from ten foot to two thousand at will. Like, who would you say would be the least powerful? Probably Pony, but Pony is just a horse. Pony, <laughs> Pony is a unicorn that has lost her horn. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Which was great, because I, 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 I'm very glad that Daniel put me, uh, Siri and Pony together at the beginning, because they're both the most... I mean, I think we, we've dubbed this the furry party, because I think all of us have some, like, animalistic <laughs> qualities. But uh, we are the two that are, like... Like, Pony is actually just... Oh, I forget the breed of horse, but it, they are a small miniature pony of some variety. 
a series of based off like a Greenland shark and vampire squid. Like they're just a fish. <laughs> so they have these like two <laughs> actual animals like trying to talk about animal things, but them not being able to communicate at all <laughs> in like an effective way. It was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i was i was wondering how that was gonna work because uh and i think he touched on it a little bit the fact that like sound works differently in water and so like to even hear pony talking to you you had to like adjust your senses yeah i was just gonna say a theory just asking what is hair at one point <laughs> <laughs> because of course no fish have hair Probably <laughs> no, no fish. Fish don't have hair, and like the the only mammals that a Siri has encountered are deep sea whales. So sperm whales, beaked whales, those things. And whales don't have external hair. Uh, they have little tiny hair follicles when they're like cat when they're just born, but those fall out like very quickly. So yeah. there's just no context for that. It's like, what is hair? <laughs> Such a genuine question. <laughs> I laughed so much when you were like, a horse, but what about like your curled tail? Wait, you're not a horse. And then, and then Pony was like, yeah, I'm a unicorn. Mm -hmm. And proceeded to explain unicorns using only the magical feats that they can do and no physical features whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) And the series was just like, yeah, I'll go along with that. That sounds rational. I'm a magical fish. Uh, Other creatures surely have magic. <laughs> Just like unicorns are so great and we're the best. <laughs> when, when Carolyn gets into character, like the way the way she like focuses her energy, you know that person. Like you know it's like, oh, this is a very stuck up this is the person that's like had that seat in the back of the cafe who like they they know they're passing all their classes and they just want to rub it in that like oh i'm also a uh, leader of the tennis court and all this other <laughs> <laughs> facetious <laughs> nonsense which you 90 percent is sure you're talking they're talking out their ass but like that that's who pony is pony is pony's from the shrek universe <laughs> 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 You know, you you can only go big or go home there. (laughs) Right. That actually makes that so much more funny to me. Because I'm just thinking, like, this this hornless unicorn running around all these, like, dragons and, like, swamp creature and, like, Lord Farquaad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I think I think communication is going to end up being a big theme in this game. A because you know my character's a fish, so I literally have to stick my head out of water to talk to anybody. But also the other characters come from you know very interesting communicative backgrounds. It seems like um, Athenos deals a lot with worship. Tau, you are a Vocaloid, and you have you're a digital being. Like you can connect to other technology. Smog, you've got the whole Esper thing, and like, what is that worship dealing with that technology? Imaginary friends, yeah, pony being a horse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, being a talking horse, not being able to like grow up with uh, other talking creatures. Like, I think we all have some hindrance to communication to us, and I think that's gonna cause for hilarious shenanigans to ensue later on. Yeah, and I think that really plays in well with interstitial as a whole, because the whole thing is about 
connections with other people and your bonds, having communication kind of being explored through each of our characters differently is very fun. Like, Tao is going to want to get out there, meet as many people, make as many fans as they can, because that's literally power for Tao. So. Mm. I, I actually want to ask you this. What... How would Tao make a fan out of someone like Geyser? <laughs> out of someone like Geyser? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's really about figuring out what you're into, what you like. So, I don't know, maybe some, like, broken down sounding carnival music with a creepy song over it. I don't I'm not sure exactly, but... Tao's like, I want to do fan service. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Some thirst traps for a clown. <laughs> what are clowns? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That, uh, I'm, I'm actually crying thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. How is Smog doing? I think Smog might have the one of the roughest transitions of, like emotionally to this. Yeah, I mean, there's it's just really weird because I there were a certain set of characters going in with Smog that I'd be like he's going to revere them as espers or something c- close to him as like a like a discarded sort of esper who has become mortal something like that. And so immediately being faced with one of the characters who he thinks is like definitely some sort of to him, like a deity, it was interesting being surprised matched the person who pops out of the phone, like manifests physically out of something that is bundled up in like electronics and like conception is like, oh yeah, instantly I recognize what the hell is happening here. And, and I have to be uh, reverent instead of uh, shooting them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Tao forming out of the phone to see a gun immediately drawn on them was maybe a bit of a surprise, but, you know, anyone can download the program. They're used to popping up in weird places. I think they might be slowly realizing that this is the weirdest place that they have popped up, and uh, they might not be able to get back to anywhere else. They're trying to roll with it, I think, for now. Making the best out of it. Getting... already have one worshipper that's kind of like a fan, so that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love that we talked about, like, more of the nitty-gritty here, like, Tao is surprised that Smog didn't download them. And then we, we get to the title of our episode here, which is Smog saying... You wouldn't download Nesper. <laughs> and and Dan was really excited with that. He's like, oh shit, that's Smog's whole thing. Like <laughs> that's that's all his backstory coming into play here. It's like, ooh yeah, it is actually. It also is kind of like everybody having their own relational like notions of what the other characters are. You know, kind of like if you're a hammer, everything is a nail. So, of course, Smog thinks Tao is an esper. Of course, Thanos thinks Geyser is a god, and Geyser thinks Thanos is an imaginary friend. Um, I think Isiri was the only one to actually get it right. <laughs> 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 
Siri doesn't know what the hell is going on. They've never had like the the entire not the entire crux, but one of the things I wanted to explore with the Siri was like what is the most extreme culture shock you can get? And I think I've I've hit that one on the head because <laughs> they have no context for anything on the surface. So all this shit's gonna be like what? <laughs> <laughs> so this the only way to be successful in identifying someone else is to not know anything now <laughs> <laughs> i think about it we got a little bit of an idea of like what athenos thinks is going on with geyser but geyser was like oh i think you're an imaginary friend kind of not not to his face but like thinking that Mm -hmm. who does geyser think made a thanos like what type of person Mm. because the thanos thinks that like a child god made Geyser. yeah based on what she's saying yeah so i i can't say that geyser would care about something like that in in geyser's worldview and this is something that i haven't really got into um because it's more regarding like the home and their functions on Conglom, which is Geyser's home planet. But in Geyser's like experience, there's different types of imaginary friends and children make these friends to fill a need that they are not getting, right? That's the only reason why it's not, there's no like, oh, this is for creative time or to Geyser, like if an imaginary friend exists, it's because there is some, deficiency that a child needs and they are supplying it with their own imagination. Geyser would assume that it's some child that was feeling extremely helpless about something. You know, some child that was like there's so much going on in a world around me and I can't act to fix it. So I'm going to think of Thanos and he's going to be very powerful and very nice and he's going to care about people having confidence and so that's what geyser would think about that child like if they were forced to ponder on it but i'm not sure geyser would even get to that point because it's just like eh, you were made cool that, that's what matters now <laughs> Not that they're, like, totally uninterested in the backgrounds of other people, but more so that there's some things that the less assumptions, the better. So if it's not something that you can immediately know or immediately gather, then it's just not relevant. Yeah, especially considering uh, Geyser's relationship with Jilly, I can see her not really wanting to look that deep into yeah how someone else was created but more thinking along the lines of you're created you're here now that's what matters yeah <laughs> and i i, I kind of like that for her definitely geyser geyser is now like solely emotionally protective of jilly because again she was sent away so she can't physically protect her anymore so it's more so like there's a child that needed you somewhere. So that's what matters. Yeah, and I think going on to, you know, other characters and like obviously we're just at the start here, so we're gonna be meeting a whole 
smorgasbord of people. What, what do we think so far of the NPCs Daniel has introduced? First, we met Thompson, who is like this big barrel-bellied robot that's full of fluid, and he's like C-3PO moving around. Uh, what was Smog and Tao's impressions of him? I mean, Smog was very upset with Thompson overall, I think, partially because Tao seemed more interested in him, probably, but also partially because Smog's interaction with, like, technology that seems person-like is not good. Like, he's used to seeing uh, what he believes are espers that have been, like, trapped in magic made by this new special technology in his world. So he's like, "Mm, I'm a little wary of something that seems like it just has this mechanical body running around. And it's maybe a reflection on what he thinks of Tao, too. Like, he's immediately like, ooh, Tao, you're trapped and connected to that phone somehow. Uh, What's wrong with that? And uh, maybe not accepting Tao's existence uh, on their face. Yeah, and uh, Tao is kind of coming at Thompson uh, in a similar way, but kind of from the other end of realizing this is another, like, artificial intelligence sort of this robot speaking to us but it's much less than tao is themselves uh i don't i don't know that Tao's really experienced that kind of other creature or other person to interact with that kind of well in mechanical terms i made that a heart link which an interstitial is makes you reflect on yourself and so Tao kind of feels a bit of pity for Thompson, but also, in general, is just, like, the second person that they met coming out of the phone here, so they're just happy to find people. Yeah, I think that's a good good reflection of, you know, Tao being a vocaloid, being a performer, being somebody who is literally powered by their fan base. There's that, that that want to connect to things, I feel like. But, you know, in, in this foreign situation, it might be hard to a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Although it was not particularly hard to connect to the satellite <laughs> Thompson was using <laughs> to communicate <laughs> back to base. <laughs> I love how the, oh, the, so the sequence charter was just like Skype called bloop bloop, hang up, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say hi, so I hacked into your encrypted communication channel. What's wrong with that? <laughs> hey, <laughs> I've undermined your operational security. I'm Tao. Nice to meet you. Okay, bye. (laughs) So I have to be honest, I misheard Hound 5 almost every time as Pound 5. And I was like, oh, great. It'll be simple to type. And Dan had to correct me on that. But it's like, that is also dog related. So so maybe that's it. But how does the Siri feel about this repurposed medical dog? Yeah, this mecha dog. Um, So you find a lot of weird looking things in the deep. So the appearance probably doesn't bother a Siri. The, the massive amount of teeth, a Siri has a lot more. Like the uh, the the snarl, the grimace, that, that doesn't bother a Siri. I think the, the structure is curious. It's interesting to her. I think their voice, definitely that like vocoder sounding sort of very clearly synthetic voice, 
would confuse her because she's never encountered anything like that. But she's very grateful to this dog thing because it literally just saved her life. (laughs) 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 She's very confused about this um, bubble water suit that she is now encased in. But, you know, if it keeps her breathing, she's okay with them for right now. (laughs) That's so funny that, like, you have this wolf robot come by and, like, give you life-saving support and ponies to, like, but it's creepy. But I don't want to interact with them. <laughs> that doesn't bother me too much because, hey, Pony is a horse. <laughs> and, you know, horses are skittish at best. Um, and if a horse sees a wolf, they're probably going to run. And given what Carolyn said about Pony's interactions with people who can talk to her, it tends to get her into more trouble than it's worth. So I don't think... I, I blame her for running away, but it is funny just to see, oh, this thing just saved that mermaid's life. I gotta go. <laughs> and then Scooby-Doo run out of it. <laughs> I do wonder if there was some sort of robot planned for Geyser and Athenos, but you guys got Aura. <laughs> Thanos just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Yeah, so we definitely were the first people, well, to interact with actual humans. Oh, and uh, by the way, Geyser hates Aura. Um, (laughs) 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 Because, like, she just wants the crab thing. Like, it's, it's it's very simple, right? You give us the crab, and I don't have this wolf guy destroy you with a giant boulder (laughs) like it's 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 a very simple exchange and then they're just like but 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 it's complicated and you can't touch it that guys are fucking hates that (laughs) 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 um (laughs) so geyser thinks of aura as a coward but not because like acquiescing to Geyser would be the brave thing to do. It's just Geyser thinks in terms of is this the person that I can take advantage of or not? And so a person like quaking in their boots in front of you and still dares to defy you is someone that is very dislikable, just has a very punchable face. You know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Smog is all for it. He's like, yeah, give in to your hate. Because, like, he's going to get experience every time somebody makes a dark link. That's just one of his moves. So, like, yeah, go ahead. Hate the scientists. I love it. <laughs> I, I cannot wait for a Siri and Smog to interact because you're the dark, I'm the light. So, <laughs> there's, there's going to be some natural conflict there. But also, I think. A Siri might understand Smog a little bit more than Smog will be comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to dig into the religious stuff that it seems like is going on with Siri or the ritual that seemed to be happening that uh, you were swimming away from. Because I don't think we've talked too much about that um, in, in building up these characters. No, we haven't. And, you know, I I, I think that's going to be a big thing. I'm... I'm t- 
I'm basically just excited for all of the player characters to finally, like, meet each other, hopefully, in the next session. But, like, there's so many, like, little interesting snippets that could be, like, pulled from one character to each to connect. Like, you know, for a series, specifically, like, Tao's a singer, a series of mermaid, a siren. That's, you know, how they do their magic. That music is part of their existence. Like, Athanos is a god, a series of very religious person. Like, there's all these ritual things. So there's going to be that aspect of worship or, like, at least respect there there's just so many like interconnected threads i can't wait to like sew together into the world's ugliest crop top Um, (laughs) (laughs) and i just want the party to get together so bad like i know you have to start somewhere and i know we have a big game and dan did his best like splitting everything up to um for that exposition stuff but i just want us all together and i want us to start like the biggest mosh party ever (laughs) yeah yeah i'm sure we're gonna meet up soon next session but it will be great yeah i didn't really think about how smog and asiri are both these very religious characters in a way and it'll be interesting to see them play off of that in different ways where smog takes this much more aggressive approach it seems i i would argue that pony is kind of religious in a way too not not as far as like rituals go but like the reverence for what being a unicorn is i would parallel with a thanos thanos is very like yes i am a god look at me and feel confidence and you know and pony's like look at me i'm a unicorn and unicorns are the best and be grateful that you get to witness our <laughs> magical greatness you know I, I i think geyser is kind of an odd one out here as far as that because there's no like ritual motivation there's no like type of entity that gathers respect you know you have someone that was forcibly divorced from their created purpose and is just there and it's just kind of making it up as they go along and kind of just, I guess, anti-heroing it up, if I was to say. Yeah. But I but I, I think that Pony also fits in that kind of that kind of theme. Yeah, I think uh Geyser and Tau are probably the least religious of the uh a group, but they somewhat ironically have something very strongly in common with Athanos of being powered by the people that that brought you into being. Yeah. Either powered by her creator, Tao is powered by the fans, Athanos is powered by his worshippers, and uh, yeah. they all have a very different relationship with each of those. Yes, very, very different. Um, when I was thinking about geyser I, I didn't want it to be you know too straightforward too one-to-one like oh i made you because i'm small and weak and now i have this all-powerful person to help me you know i, I didn't want it to be that because i don't know that that just wouldn't be fun for me but i think i think dex has been doing a fantastic job with that concept overall so for me i I'm like, how do I make this person have, like, stakes in the people around them 
without making it, I just rule over everything and I'm good. And so like that, that like inverse proportion to Jilly, I don't know if, I, if, if I've said this before during the, the play session, but I, I'm kind of touched on it, like in the little snippets I've been writing, but Geyser like feeds from hate. That's how she's been like sustaining her existence. But, like, feeding doesn't make her strong, right? So, like, the sparkles of hate that Ezra and Ruth produce, which are Jilly's parents, are what keep Geyser in existence. But it's Jilly's emotional state or, like, weakness or strength that makes Geyser weak or strong. After a while, once Geyser goes away... Guys are trying to like fully sever that connection because Jilly doesn't need her anymore and guys are kind of wants to exist but not at the expense of Jilly. But Geyser thinks I can keep myself around if I get enough people to feel negatively towards me in some way. Interesting. Yeah. So like merging merging worlds has the consequence of Geyser is now someone with a corporeal form, right? They're not going to disappear. But the, the, the consequence of that existence is also Geyser can't feed in the traditional way that she was doing before. I, th- I, I like to hear that because I, I think that's something that Asiri could talk to Geyser about because uh, Asiri's homeworld is in crisis for a similar but different reason, they survive on, you know, scavenging and, you know, hunting in the deep. And one of the biggest sources of food in the deep ocean abyss is whale falls. When a whale dies and it, you know, settles at the bottom, it's like a buffet for the ocean. And those have been in short supply. Like, for whatever reason, if there are whales dying, they're not dying near where their city is or where their uh, environment is. And there's, like, a mass starvation going on in their culture right now. And the fact that your existence is so predicated on such a, a random blessing like that, I think a Siri could kind of relate to and really want to hone in on to for Geyser. Just have that, like, hey, you know, it's okay. You, you can let go of that that sort of strong strong drive to you know, continue that hatred or continue whatever that force is feeding you. But, you know, your existence is also predicated on it. So it's hard. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird, a weird balance. Yeah, I think for Smog, it's going to be that for each of these beings that he regards basically as espers, he's going to see something upsetting, maybe at its core wrong about the relationship with their believers that mirrors what he sees as the abuses that happened in his world. Like his ideal would be the espers are regarded as uh, the gods they are and they're seen for making things work and they're not fucked with and they don't need to rely on mortals for anything. And there's something slightly off about all of these characters who are like magical manifestations in the rest of the party for him. And I think he's probably going to, hone in on those and that's going to be part of it is like being in the dark is like pushing into the darker influences of not pandering to your worshipers as far as like game mechanics go i i haven't really my my other interstitial character was a companion i think is that what it's called but 
I haven't really like dug deep into the other playbooks. I think this campaign might be interesting because um, we have a lot of moves that are kind of opposite each other, moves that are like helping other people make links and moves that are like, you know, interfering with each other and other stuff like that. Do you guys have any guesses as to how that's going to play out? Oh, the con- the connected, that's what they're called. I- I'm hoping that, you know, not that I'm like, oh, I want all of our characters to like beat the shit out of each other and fight. I- I'm hoping that there's a lot of uh, at least discussion-based conflict because, you know, at, like, for most of the uh, RP tables where I've been a player at, a lot of the party has been pretty ride or die. Everyone's on the same page. Everyone is together. And I'm kind of looking for a lot more disagreements between characters on what is the, the next course of action. Because, you know, I, I think that adds a little drama, raises the stakes a little bit more than like, okay, yeah, we're all in agreement. Let's go, you know, kick the monster's ass and then take the treasure and go home. I, I think... Uh, especially with with Smog and and a Siri and with a Thanos, I think there's going to be a lot of differences on how and why we're doing what we're doing. It also feels like there's more space to do that type of stuff in something like Powered by the Apocalypse because so much is based on the GM reacting to what the players are doing and getting prompts from what they rolled more than the GM having something planned out that they're sort of plotting forward. I know this is like the first session, so we, we haven't had a lot of chances to make really big choices yet, but is there anything that you would have wanted to do slightly different if given the chance for this session? Um, I'm not sure that there's anything that I would have wanted to do differently, but there are definitely a couple things that came out in the session that... I wasn't completely... It might not be what I was planning beforehand for the character for Tao, but, like, popping into that that communication channel just to say hi, I feel like is much more invasive than what I was originally thinking for Tao, is that they would kind of be just, like, responsive, kind of helping out other people, but I I like the idea of them really wanting so hard to be helpful to people that they just break all boundaries (laughs) (laughs) and kind of drew in a little inspiration from a web novel uh, called Ward, where one of the characters is like a super powered hacker who's like 12 and she's the kind of person that's like, oh, yeah, you, uh, I saw your computer the other day, and I hacked it, and I read your diary, and I wasn't a huge fan of what you were saying about me, but it's fine. I'll work to be better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a similar vein for Smog, like, I wasn't anticipating him being, like, guns ablaze and absolutely all the time. I was like, I want to say a little bit about uh, the ridiculous weaponry he has here. Like, maybe I will be. And I don't think I I regret having Smog shoot off a very powerful spell at some random thing that didn't seem like it actually needed defending, but was built for it. But I think if he'd understood the situation a little bit better, he, he might regret it. To him, this looked like it was almost completely 
barren area and there's just something roaming around here to gather stuff up did not have the context of like there being people in in walkers around elsewhere and it, i feel like it's funny because we had tau and smog had this like much narrower view of the area because of being like in the canyon than other characters for geyser i would say that it wasn't so much the 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 campaign that kind of threw a wrench in my plans than a Thanos <laughs> himself. Because, <laughs> like, I immediately went from I'm trying to, like, make this guy mad at me to I'm trying to, like, wrangle this himbo god into not, like, killing people. <laughs> and I definitely did not plan on that <laughs> at all. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I would have liked to have a Siri ask Hound Five some more questions, but at the same time, a Siri had a lot going on in that scene, so I don't blame her for not being like, um, "Where are we? What's going on?" Blah blah blah. Like, can you tell me? Like, no, it, it just wouldn't have happened that way. <laughs> Something that I really liked about the conversation with Geyser and uh, Thanos was going back to that idea of putting things in whatever terms you already have. And there's just, the way you said this line, I love Geyser's voice is, and I'm not gonna be able to reproduce this, is, well then big guy, I don't have to tell you, I'm just a dream. It's just trying to explain what she is to to a god. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's perfect. That's a perfect way to talk to someone who's telling you something equally ridiculous about the way they are. Yeah, um, that, that truly was just off the cuff. I would love to say that there was some deeper meaning behind it, but I don't know. In in the second like snippet that I posted, I was referring to Geyser as a dream, like the dream instead of like her uh, for pronouns. So it, it, it was in my mind. Um, Geyser sees her, like Geyser knows that she's an imaginary friend, but Geyser thinks of herself as a dream because she existed in a dream world and she interacted Jilly with Jilly the most when she was sleeping, right? So that's kind of, you know, that's how Geyser exists. That's how Geyser functions. I was dreamed up by a child. What, what, do, what do each of you want to do starting next episode? Like, what is one goal your characters have when we start up again? So uh, for Tao... Uh, that is going to be putting on some sort of show in... We seem to be going towards, like, a town, a gathering of people. Town wants to put on a show, get some fans in this new place, new planet, and start spreading the word that they're, you know, the best virtual singer out there. I mean, for Smog, this is pretty much a normal jump for him. It just felt off for some reason, and he can't find juice. So his goal is going to be to uh, find some work, and if it gets too hot again, he'll just portal out like he has been. I think guys are stuck on those those crawlers. <laughs> Geyser is going to get Aura to hand over the keys to one of them. <laughs> <laughs> God, that would be terrifying to see that, like, crawling across the wasteland. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think Asiri, Asiri wants more information. Knowledge is power when, you know, you live in darkness. Anything you know about the situation can be used to your advantage. So I think once she gets a bit more acclimated to her little bubble, and once more people with answers show up, I think she's going to start asking a lot of questions and, like, get a feel for what this environment we've been pulled into really is. Because Dan hinted at it a little bit with some stuff, but Asiri's not convinced. phase of this segment of the show where we get to say something about the game with absolutely no responses otherwise uh what is your final say on the session zach it's going to be absolute chaos when everyone meets and i am all here for it (laughs) yeah i guess i can plug my twitter zach defense (laughs) all right uh what about you d i'm here to cause problems i'm here to cause chaos and it's gonna be a good time not for everybody else but for geyser (laughs) <laughs> for as, as for my plugs as i said before you can find me on twitter at backslider d if you do follow me you will want to turn off my retweets i promise you that's what you will want to do i am on psn at i had a cowlell if you want to hit me up we can um exchange a switch friend codes as well all right what about you alex all right i've been thinking about this a little bit and unicorns on Smog's world are definitely a lesser type of esper like Moogles once were. Also, you can find me on Twitter at ShiningCrobat. For myself, well, I think I want everybody to get together, and I'm really excited for the moment where, you know, we, we start piecing together the bigger picture. So I, I really want a Siri to just make some new friends, because by golly, she certainly could use a helping hand in this situation. I'm, I've been Sammy. You can find me at the crossroads at midnight, where uh, at least you'll find a violin player. This has been Resolve, an after-play show. You can find us online at most social media sites at Resolve AP. Except Instagram, which is at Resolve After Play. Thank you so much for everyone for joining us today. You can buy the game we're playing, Interstitial, Our Hearts Intertwined, from its creator, Riley Hopkins, at linksmithgames.com. All links will be in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We end our turn here. So now it's your turn. What's happening in your game? Tell us all about it.